everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity and Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. And of course, this episode is coming to you during the summer months. And as a reminder, Cindy and I have taken a break from the podcast in terms of season four. So we released our first five episodes and Bridging the Gap episode of season four. And we'll be picking up the second part of season four at the beginning of the school year. In between, we're releasing some creativity tip episodes and also starting to release some throwback episodes. And this is another throwback episode. So a throwback episode, if you don't know, is an episode where we go back to past shows and identify ones that we want to kind of like re-release because we think they are relevant to where we are at a given time. So we're thinking about episodes from season one that I think are really good for teachers as they look at the upcoming school year. And believe it or not, this episode that we're going back to was the first ever episode of the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast with Dr. Susan Keller-Mathers. Dr. Susan Keller Mathers is an associate professor at the Center for Applied Imagination at SUNY Buffalo State, and she has also been inside of the classroom, in multiple classrooms, for over 25 years. So we feel that Sue brings both the richness and the depth of research, but she brings lots of practical knowledge, which we think will be fantastic as you start to prepare your classroom for this fall. Now, I do want to just say one thing before we go over there, because there is a moment in this conversation uh, toward the end, I think it's one of one of uh, Sue's tips, if I remember correctly, where she is the first person to, to share this theme of kind of like start small. It doesn't have to be big. And so knowing that we're only a couple of weeks away from the start of the the new academic year, I really want teachers listening to be aware of that, that, you know, part of creativity is about identifying problems and bringing in innovations that actually you can implement and implement successfully. So it's not about doing anything, huge, drastic changes. And so do watch out for that because that is in this episode. And without further ado, let's listen to Sue. Sue, we are so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm pretty excited to be here too. So Sue, you began your career as an elementary school teacher. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, I guess, you know, when I went to college, all of a sudden I decided, I think I want to be a teacher. And um, when I graduated, I uh, went into, um, I, I went down to New Orleans and started teaching in New Orleans and absolutely loved it. Worked at a creative arts magnet school. Even though my background's not arts, it was just so alive with creativity. And um, so taught there uh, a few years and then came back to Buffalo and worked at a laboratory school. And I had the privilege there of uh, developing a uh, K-8 uh, talent development program and really be able to focus on creativity with kids at different uh, grade levels, which was a lot of fun working with whole classes and whole school at some time, um, as well as individual kids. So it was a, it was great. I loved being an elementary teacher and I didn't want to stop working in the elementary school setting. Uh, but 
an opportunity came to teach it in higher ed and um, there weren't a lot of openings, so I had to jump. Sue, in listening to that initial response, you seem to showcase your experience as a practitioner in the classroom, but also your experience as a researcher at Buffalo State. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little toward the concept of a practitioner scholar and why you consider that approach particularly important to the field of creativity in education. Yeah, it is so important. And part of it is there's so much out there that is just junk. If you don't know how to sort through what good curriculum is or good practices, you end up um, making it look bad. And in the in the schools, if somebody is doing something that's not sound practice, then nobody wants creativity. I mean, what's this creativity stuff? We have to focus on important things. Um, and in order for people to understand how important creativity is, and in order to have good practices, they must be a scholar. And, and what that means for a teacher, this whole, this whole idea of scholar practitioner is you are informed. You know what the research says. You know what is, you can differentiate between creativity, material, concepts, um, practices that are sound and will make a difference in education and those that are just the shiny penny. Oh, I found this cool activity and I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, there's no context. There's nothing uh, you know, related to anything you're doing in the classroom. So that scholar practitioner is starting to, uh, in the teacher world, this whole idea of teacher leader, uh, scholar teacher is... Uh, is really becoming more prominent and so doubly important when you're looking at creativity education because there are so many um, misconceptions about what it is and what's important. So building on that response, Sue, I wonder if you could tell us the difference between teaching for creativity and teacher creativity or, or perhaps creative teaching. Well, I guess it starts with you as a creative teacher and nurturing your students' creativity. So if you are teaching for creativity, there is a content that is an aspect of creativity that you are bringing to your students. So let's start there, even though that's the second piece. Uh, so if I'm going to teach some creativity skills, which we have 60 years of research from E. Paul Torrance to show the value of this in helping students reach their creative potential. So we take a, a creativity concept or, or skill such as uh, originality, since that one's mo what most people know. So originality is a concept. Can we bring that into the classroom? Absolutely. Can I weave it into other things that I'm doing? Absolutely. So that would be bringing the content of creativity into being deliberate about what it is, what is originality? How do I promote it? What does it look like in my classroom? How do I integrate it into my curriculum? How do I promote it in those um, micro moments in the classroom that aren't part of a formal lesson? You know, what are all the ways that we are going to utilize original thinking and original acting in the classroom? So that's one part. But the first part is the teacher as a creative individual both personally and professionally. So creative teaching is about your craft. It is about you as a teacher becoming more creative. And what that looks like is 
you are bringing more joy, more motivating activities, more curiosity to the to your own thinking about your lessons. It it leads to you being um, more. It can it can lead a teacher on the path to burnout, to rejuvenating who they are and why they came into the profession, because it is the joy of teaching. If you have joy in your teaching, there that's creative. You're you are a creative teacher. I think this connects creativity to the concept of long-term professional learning. If we're committed to getting better, we are at some level committed to practicing creativity in the classroom. I particularly valued the word deliberate in your response as it emphasizes an intent to improve a situation, to produce an outcome that makes the learning environment better for all participants. So what are the best practices that support teacher creativity as it relates to this concept of professional learning or improving your learning environment? I guess the first thing I would talk about with best practices is that it is not an add-on that is essential, that you look at the gaps, you look at the areas of weakness, you look at what you do in your classroom, and you look to improve it through creative methods, both problem-solving and bringing creativity, specific skills, for example, into the classroom or bringing, improving the environment. So if you take your classroom uh, or your educational institution and you assess where you're at, what is the creative environment like? You know, how might we improve the way we interact so that there's trust and openness, so that we have debate, so there's idea time, so that, that people are really reaching their potential in the classroom? Um, what is it we do to promote processes and uh, promote creative uh, uh, personality characteristics? And what do we do to assess it with products? How do we make those more creative? So what does creativity and assessment look like? So the, the first thing is that um, you look at what you're doing and you, you weave it in. And the reason that I, that I say that is that, um, oh, and before that, of course, the most important thing is that you are a scholar practitioner and that you understand what good practices are in creativity. Uh, but the reason I say that you start with weaving it in is others will see the value of what you're doing. And you have to be an advocate for creativity outside of your classroom to do it in your classroom. You can close your door and you can do what you want, which is what a lot of teachers want to do but you must also be that teacher leader who helps others understand the value. And then it becomes more embedded in the educational environment because you can't do it in isolation. You have to model it and bring it to others because if they walk outside your classroom, if it's very different than what's inside your classroom, eventually that comes into your classroom. So, just a, a couple things that they, these are all about good teaching. Yeah, and you know this from, from teaching, you know, have a range of opportunities, have flexibility when you can um, look at the diverse perspectives, try to understand, listen, asking good questions, having authentic work that students do and create trust. So you could take that same list to any teacher education program and say, yeah, that's the foundation of good teaching. Good teaching is creative teaching. 
Okay, Sue. So what would you say to the teacher who's listening to this podcast right now, values everything that you've shared at the beginning of the episode, but is feeling overwhelmed at the thought of the constraints in the classroom, which might be the perception of a rigid curriculum that doesn't allow for much deviation from the script. And if they do deviate, it might become a thing during a teacher evaluation. <laughs> what would you say to that teacher? Well, and part of this... Um Two things. Politically, you need to be careful. Obviously, don't try something really what we might call creative when you're being observed. In other words, don't try something completely new. You need to um, look at what you're doing and look at how to improve it uh, and have a good rationale as to why this improves it. Uh, but if you're being observed and you are adding aspects of creativity and it's working and you are meeting the goals, you are following the standards, um, then you should not be called deviating from it. You should be called really making what you did strong. So I hear a lot from teachers who say, our curriculum is so constricting and, you know, we have all these standards. And I said, standards are not the problem. You know, I can look at any standard and see how to infuse creativity in a powerful way into those standards. I can look at your goals and I can say, and the lesson, and I can say, here are some ways to improve creativity within that lesson. So I think what we need to do is flip the way we're thinking about it. And instead of saying, I'm so constrained by what I have to do, you need to say to yourself, what are the ways to do what I'm doing in a more powerful method? And even if it's just changing a lesson slightly to increase the creativity within the lesson, even if it's um, taking um, uh, taking some aspect of the classroom that you take for granted and figuring out whether it's really working that well and then looking at ways to improve upon it using your own problem solving. Maybe it's not weaving an aspect of creativity in the lesson. Maybe it's some good problem solving around ways to improve what you're doing. And that is also bringing creativity to the classroom, not by directly in a lesson changing something, but problem solving the way you operate in that classroom. So yes, I acknowledge that um, there are some schools that are very rigid uh, and other schools that are more, more open. So uh, as a person who understood when I was in, in the school system that I needed to advocate for what I was doing, I had to model it I had to explain it to others. I had to help them try it out. I had to tell parents what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, so the best advice is start small. You know, this conversation, Sue, is reminding me of discussions I had with a previous boss around some of the creativity challenges that we would create for high schools in Connecticut. And he would say to me, creativity loves constraint. Yes. And to some extent, that's true. Constraints exist everywhere. Yes. Time is a constraint. Lack of resources can contribute to constraints in the classroom. And of course, we now know that global pandemics also introduce significant constraints into the learning experience. So I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the concept of constraints in general and how we deal with them from a creativity perspective. And the important thing is when you think about constraints, which are self-imposed, 
which are which are blocks that you have that you think are are not you know able to overcome and and then which are things that you just have to resign yourself to the fact that you know they are constraints and they're going to be and 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 they can't be changed you know i was an urban educator for 15 years uh we didn't have resources i was lucky sometimes to have a chair you, know, you have to go find an extra chair, but it really can lead to a lot of creativity if you just say, well, well, first of all, humor helps. And that is, <laughs> that is a way to, to bring creativity forward. So the things you can't change, then you can't. But there are so many things you can control and that you can improve. So, Sue, thank you for these insights. I think you've given our listeners some incredible advice in terms of getting started and starting small. One of the goals of this podcast for Matt and I is for teachers to be able to listen to this on their 20-minute drive to work. So as they're driving to work, imagine a teacher is sitting here listening to you and they go into their classroom. What what would you recommend they begin with? What's that one step that you think they could begin with as they walk into their classroom today? You know, when you walk into your classroom, and this, I just, just started thinking about this. My attitude and my energy makes a difference in the classroom. So let's start with climate. What's the first you can do? Leave everything that's bothering you behind. Remember why you're an educator and come in refreshed and ready to engage with your students. So, you know, the, the whole idea of starting small, of, you know, taking joy into that journey every time you step in the classroom. And, you know, even my, myself, I have to remind myself, and I'm not always ready, uh, but the more I can remember how important it is for me to be ready to engage in joy with those students. And for even the, the child that that is just sometimes so hard to figure out how to, how to bring joy to the interaction. You know, let's take a fresh perspective. Uh, and that's a creative perspective when you come in. So, you know, on your way in as well, surround yourself with the people who are positive. You know, walk in. Don't walk into that, you know, teacher lunchroom first thing in the morning if you don't think it's going to be a positive place you know go stop at somebody's door if you can that you know always has these cool methods and is always thinking about you know how they can meet the needs of their students and and bring out their their good thinking which is creative thinking so that concludes this throwback episode of the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. We hope it's been helpful as you begin to plan for the new academic year. As always, you can reach out to us for questions or even ideas for future episodes at questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com. My name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. 